If I can bet them and I can see them, absolutely, that's always the best. You know, once they're bedded, the dominoes tip in your favor a lot of times because they can't get up, they, they don't get up and move. And that's always the challenge when you're stalking with them is, you know, they'll move. As soon as you drop out of sight, they move. And, and sometimes they only move 30 yards, but that can be like moving a whole county. They had to hunt a whole hunt and only find one big one, and then then everything's got to play in your favor. So I'm not against it. If you have the opportunity to hunt late archery with a during the rut, it's fun. Those were fun hunts. They really were. But for me, I just started counting up the days. I'm like, you know, if I spent 10 days on an early season, I would at least be within range of a big buck and probably multiple times where that just wasn't happening on the late yeah. stuff for me. Once that sun is below the horizons, is what I'm trying to get at. That's a switch. That, that turns them on and they get active, okay? Now, there's a lot of things that can offset that. You know, high hunting pressure, been busy, you know, opening couple of days. They may hang back longer and you, you don't see them out on the open hillsides. But where I'm going with all this is I'll miss the midday hunt if I need to. If I need to take a nap, go feed the horse, whatever, I'll miss the midday hunt. I don't miss the morning. I don't sleep in, well, maybe once more. But I don't sleep in. I don't miss. I don't miss that time. And most evenings, unless it's just logistically impossible to be there for the evening and get back in the morning, I'm there too because I know that's when they're going to be on their feet. You got to kill a buck right when you see it. You, you can't really pattern them there, you know, unless what John said. Maybe if they're hitting water, you know, pray for a heat wave and and water holes, but just enough cover and everything. The got the big buck hunters I know that have hunted it, they don't like it. They're like, you just you just you can't take advantage of them. You know, they're there. You'll see a big buck, but you can't do anything about it, and then you can't find him again. Hey guys, real quick before we get into this episode, I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, go give us a review on iTunes can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howlful Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care, but be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game. Go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. So uh, I'll give you my little introduction. It's Robbie Denning of Rock Slide, author of several, couple books, right? Couple, three? How many? Yeah. Two? Two. Two now. Two. Mm-hmm. Two uh, mule deer hunting books and uh, just an all-around awesome guy. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk talk a little bit about mule deer hunting. Uh, we're gonna field questions from guys that are coming on, girls that are coming on, that have uh, specific questions for you. And um, hopefully, uh, we can get through them all, and I don't miss them. So, I did have a couple people send in some questions earlier, so I'm gonna start off with those. The first right. question I got was, do you prefer <clears throat> to bed deer before you stalk them or prefer them on the hoof? And if does it change from rifle hunting to archery hunting? Uh, yeah, um, bedded is always the best, but it's easier said than done, I found. that, you know, Especially hunting bucks in and around the cover, which is typically where the best ones are. Mm-hmm. I'm probably only bedding... I don't know, maybe during archery season, maybe 30% of the time, 40% of the time. Do I, do I know where they actually lay? Now, now a lot of times I know where they went, which, which draw, you know, stuff like that, but I, I'm not looking at them in their beds. You know, they, they are, uh, smarter than that. You know, they, they, a lot of times they're picking places that you just can't see and they're just going in the too far in the cover. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a few years, you know, a while ago, I was like, I was only trying to stalk bedded bucks. And it just cut down on the number of stalks. And, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get a big one, you don't get very many stalks anyways. Right. You know, you, you, you know, I think that's the difference between hunting big mule deer with a bow and just hunting deer is it's a numbers game. If you're just hunting bucks, yeah. Stalk every one of them. Right. You know, and you'll, 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 you'll fill your tag, but with big bucks, you know, you, you, you're just not going to get a lot of stalking opportunity, you know, maybe only 
quarter of the time does it even work out where you get a stock? Mm-hmm. And and like said, you know, maybe a third of the time, am I actually looking at them in their bed? It might not even be that high, John. You know, yeah. it's but 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 anyways, I kind of quit looking for that and just when I when I see them and I think they're approachable, even if and I'm thinking archery right now, even if it's not within range, you know, I'm trying to cut some distance. I'm trying to be uh, as close as I can so that if if they do bed and I can see them. Um, or they get up and move, and I think I can ambush them. That I that I'm right there. I'm not clear across the canyon because because that's what I mean. Is I used to mm-hmm. just sit there and wait and wait, and all of a sudden, man, it's been like seven days. I've seen this buck every day, and I haven't stalked him. That, oh, that's my yeah. fault, I you know. That's just not. That. Yeah, exactly. I and I only did that for like a year or two, and I thought, you know, they're they're just not going to bed in the bed where I'm going to see them. So I got to get after them. But if I can bed them and I can see them, absolutely, that's always the best. You know, once once they're bedded the dominoes tip in your favor a lot of times because they can't get up. They, they don't get up and move. And that's always the challenge when you're stalking with them right. is, you know, they'll move as soon as you drop out of sight, they move. And, and sometimes they only move 30 yards, but that can be like moving a whole County or, or just um, on the other side of the tree, even, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had that pro- approach it, yeah. That, that's a very typical thing you see here in Arizona. I know, especially mm-hmm. in the early season because it's hot and they'll stay at the same tree. And they'll just literally move around the tree with the shade. So I, you know, with that knowing that, I kind of keep that in mind that I just got to know which way the shade's going because that's usually where. Because as soon as the sun starts hitting them, it's it's so hot over here that they just move. But um, right, yeah, I find they don't like to be in the sun unless it's like in the single digits, anyways. You know, yeah. That even into the rifle seasons, they'll do that. But the other half of your question there, it's the same with rifle. If I can get them bedded up, you bet. It's all the same things are in play. You, you know, you're not going to lose track of them as likely if they're bedded. But it gets even harder with the rifle because they're not spending as much time out of the cover. Mm-hmm. You just don't get the time to evaluate them, watch them, plan your stocks. So I don't know, maybe... I've only shot a few deer in their, in their beds. Um, I read, you know, I've, I've stalked a bunch, mm-hmm. but it, it, I wish I could do it more often, but you know, I've only killed three big deer with my bow. Only one of those was bedded and I still had to wait for him to get out of his bed. The other two were ambush. Gotcha. You know, but I was close enough to him that when they moved, I could move. Right. Right. You know, yeah. you could get within range. I think for me too, that one of the things that changes that whole, you know, I, of course everything's situational, but, the whole dynamic changes if you're talking about the rut versus early season. Like mm-hmm. early season, I'm a big proponent of the whole bedded thing because the chances of them being there are very good. Then, like you said, they may just get up and move 30 yards, or they just we, we you know we talked about them moving around the tree. But the rut, man, I can't tell you. Especially this past year, here. We were owning the rut here in Arizona and in South Dakota, so two different ruts, two different years, but are two different uh, states. And um, man, I can't tell you how many times we're like, "Oh, cool, we got a buck bedded," and by the time we made it from where we were at to where they were at, they got up to go follow a doe somewhere, or they caught whiff of a doe, and they're they're on they're on the mass, you know, on a parade somewhere, and it's like. Yeah. I think in the in during the rut, my philosophy is: you see them if they're in a good spot. I don't waste time. Mm-hmm. Right, and, go. And I don't waste any time. I don't know how you feel about that. So, well, I gave up hunting them in the rut with a bow because for the amount of days I was putting in, mm-hmm. I was just not getting any opportunities at big ones. Now, now again, I could have got deer. I could have got deer all the time, but. I hunted late archery for years here in Idaho because we've got, you know, more than a few units that allow you to do it clear into the primo rut. Mm-hmm. And I never killed a buck on those. All mine came early season, but some of it was the reasons that you're talking about in, in, in pertaining to this question. You just can't bet them up. You got to get in there and you got to move with them. And it was even harder with the big ones, you know, because, you know, you may hunt, you may hunt a whole hunt and only find one big one. And then, then everything's got to play in your favor. So I'm not against it. If you have the opportunity to hunt late archery with a, and during the rut, it's fun. Those were fun hunts. They really were. Yeah. But for me, I just started counting up the days. I'm like, you know, if I spent 10 days on an early season hunt, 
I would at least be within range of a big buck and, you know, probably multiple times where that just wasn't happening on the late yeah. stuff for me. And, you know, it's different here than it is Arizona. We're oh, yeah, big, big sure. mountains. You know, it's hard to even move here. You yeah. know, you're on one Take, mountain, they're on the other. Takes yeah, exactly. The stuff I was hunting was not, not coolies and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff where you could move real easy, you know, drive the truck around to the other, other side of the draw and come up the bottom there, you know, there was none of that. It was all horseback kind of stuff. So, right. so I really don't have that much, much, uh, experience with it now. Now with a rifle, of course, lots of experience with it. And I shot a lot of bucks with, right. with a rifle during the rut, just because you know, it, it's in your favor. Right. And getting a tag's not <laughs> yeah yeah of course that's that's probably hard the hardest part anyway yeah nowadays um yeah so i i've actually hunted the rut and i prefer to hunt the rut a lot but again it's because i think where i'm hunting like again south dakota's big wide open country you can see a lot of a lot of place there and arizona same scenario hunting the desert um you know using a lot of glass looking but it could get pretty crazy too because especially if you're hunting muleys in the flats and not hunting oh, mountain yeah. bucks, they're there. You drop off, and you get there, and you're like, uh, you know, "Right, where the hell did this buck go?" Like that exactly. happened to me, and and I had a spotter <laughs> that happened to me in December this year. I busted my butt, and my cousin Anthony was spotting for me. He couldn't see where the buck was laying, and there was like one little, I guess, escape route that he couldn't see from his position. That's how far away he was. The last time I put eyes on him, I was 185 yards. I kind of peeked around this thing. So I'm at 185 yards and I kind of made my plan to sneak in and I got there and I'm like, where the hell is this buck? This buck, was he disappeared. He wasn't there. And there was a little three point buck standing there where he was basically bedded, just standing there. Hmm. I had no clue I was there. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I could think of is a doe came, he came over and harassed the doe that I couldn't see that this buck was laying down with that little three point and that doe got up and took off and the big buck ran after that's the only thing i could come up with but that's the other reason i kind of like it during the early season is you're just messing with less animals you know where when i was Mm. during the rut with my bow you know there was a big buck around you know unless it was at the very beginning of the rut or very tail end of it yeah you know he was around does yeah you know you just you just had to get in there and mix it up with them where you know with the early season that's kind of one good thing about when there's not a lot of deer around Mm-hmm. Uh, is you tend to not have to mess with so many, right. you know, where when we've had really high deer numbers, like in 2016, it's like, well, the buck I want is in that herd of nine yeah. have bucks. And they're just like the does, you know, they're all looking around all the time. And for some years, you know, like 17, we had that big winter kills right after 16 and 17. And mm-hmm. there was like four bucks in this whole Canyon I was hunting. And one of them was 190. And oh, wow. I never did kill him, but man, I had some good opportunities at him. And uh, it, it, just about any time I figured out where he went, I, I got a stalk and I ended up within range. I didn't, didn't get a shot, but uh, that was just a function of not a lot of deer around. Where wow. sometimes during the rut, it's like, you know, there's any self-respecting big bucks going to have a few does with them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Here specifically tends to be a problem because they're usually got a pretty good harem with them at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're, you're dealing with a lot of eyes for sure. So another question that I got earlier on was, you know, what is it that you recognize in a situation? What's that perfect layout, that perfect scenario that tells you man i'm gonna this is this is going down i'm gonna i'm gonna make this happen can you kind of like paint that picture for us because it kind of helps people (laughs) like maybe recognize that for themselves when they're out there like this is an opportunity i need to capitalize on dude the reason i'm laughing is because i don't usually know until I got my finger on the trigger because so many things have to go right. So, you know, what do I recognize? He, he's in the scope or my pin is settling right behind, <laughs> right behind his front leg. Then I, then I can think it's going to happen. Now I know that's oversimplistic, yeah. but so many things can go wrong between finding them and getting them. Probably you know, mo- many of the bucks I've shot, have not known I was there or by the time they knew I was there, it was too late for them to get away. That's why I said, you know, you're finally settled in the crosshairs, mm-hmm. but you know, it can't be combat hunting. It can't just be running and gunning and blazing away and they're jumping up and you're getting them. That never works out for me. It's always, you know, just being careful and just, just not letting him know I'm there. So that's when I know what's going to happen is when I'm in range, mm-hmm. I've got a shot. 
and he's given me time. Sometimes they do know you're there, but they don't know what you are. And, you know, big bucks don't want to panic. Right. So, you know, they're, you know, they're, they, I mean, I've had big bucks in range and they don't leave because it's a greater risk to leave than it is to stay in the cover. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, you kind of painted them into a corner and they can't get away, but that, but that's still very rare. It's right. So just making sure I got a relaxed ear and time to shoot that, that I mean, that's like cutting way to the chase, but there's so many other scenarios that can go on, you know, before that. And a lot of stuff has to go right to get to that point. A lot of stuff does. I mean, every year I always think about this I never get to the end of the year and not have had a chance at a big buck, uh, even on the worst of years. And when I say a chance, at least there was one around, I saw him, I had a tag, you know, that can usually put that together, but, but getting a bullet or an arrow in them, that's always been the, 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 the toughest part because there's so many things that have to go, go right, you know, depending on where you're hunting and all that stuff. And oh my goodness, y'all, this is a huge question. Yeah. The more I think about it, you know, cause <laughs> like what, like sometimes, you know, I'm hunting in a place where, dude, I hunt around private land a lot. I don't mean to, but you end up having to, cause the bucks figured out that, you know, a lot of times private land will have good groceries on it, you know, ag and stuff like that, but it doesn't have good bedding cover. So the bucks will leave. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I actually hate hunting that way. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I just end up in a place like that because that's where the big ones are. That's what they figured out. So, you know, sometimes you're, you're waiting days for them to even leave, right. you know, and, 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 and I try not even to hunt places that are big enough that I know they're not going to leave. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't just sit on the other side of the fence and hope and pray. Right. And usually by scouting or something, I know that, Hey, you know, they might be feeding over there, but you know, they come over here and I can get a chance at them. But so much has to go right in that situation. And then, you know, hunting big mountain bucks, you know, especially with good glass, you, you can find them. It's not uncommon to, to find a buck, but so many, the distance and the topography all has to come together for you to, for you to get them. And, and a lot of times the ones that are far away, I just, for whatever reason, I just don't get them. I just don't get them. They're over on that ridge. Takes a, you know, you're not going to get over there while they're on their feet. Mm-hmm. So, you, so then you get over there midday and they're not on their feet. And then, then you don't even dare go in because, yeah, you know, you don't know where he's really at. You're going to run them out. Yeah. So, you know, then you end up hanging back for a day, a two days, three days, whatever. And sometimes just in their little routes. I mean, I, I really don't think they travel far. I've said it on a lot of podcasts. I think, uh, a square mile or two square miles is plenty of room for a buck that's not migrating. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they do move further than that, but in, the ones I've killed haven't. And so sometimes you're, you know, in mountain country, that a square mile overlaid over up and down topography, that's a lot of places to hide. Oh, yeah. And so that's why it's so hard to answer to when do I recognize in a situation, you know, what, what's, what's going to make it happen. And some of this dude, I, I, I learned from, from reading Chuck Adams many years ago. Mm-hmm. And he always said that, you know, he, he, he talked himself down. Like, oh, I'm probably not going to get this buck. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just more kind of a nerve calming thing. Right. You know, it's probably not going to work out. I need to do this. I need to do this. But it's probably not going to work out. You know, that, that doesn't sound like, you know, the rah, rah, you know, you know, create your destiny kind of thinking. No. But it does work. It does keep you calmer. Yeah. Because... I still make mistakes, man. I've, I've lost two big bucks in the last three years by getting ahead of myself, you know, getting ahead. They're not even dead yet and you're getting excited. So that, that's why I said a, a relaxed deer and time to shoot and time to shoot means I have time to get calm and all that kind of stuff. So lame answer. No, I, it, it was actually, that. it was a good answer. It was a good answer. It was a very good answer. And while, while you were giving that answer, uh, Brax Hamilton said, in my opinion, mountain bow hunting mule deers or muleys are, or is all about anticipation, knowing bedding, feeding, and sun schedules. Good I would idea. never act, argue with Brax and the bucks he's killed. Hey, yeah. man, good to know you're here. Yep, absolutely. I should have pulled him on real quick. He could have give that. Next question I got earlier from the Ask the Pro section was, uh, what mule deer behavioral attributes that you can count on? What are mule deer behavior attributes that you can count on or that you pay attention to that ultimately help you harvest that animal. God, I can't read today. I can't ever read. I shouldn't, shouldn't say today. <laughs> Reading's not, I got it. Reading is not what fun mule, though for John Stallone. <laughs> what mule deer behavioral attributes 
do, yeah. do do I do I play to my advantage? Exactly, basically. exactly. So I'll throw out a couple of big words. Mule deer are crepuscular. Mm-hmm. Many of the ungulates are right, meaning they operate in the twilight. That's when they're the most active. It's not the only time they're active, but it's when they're the most active. Right, and 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 dude, I've had a trail camera out on some winter range here mm-hmm. this this winter, and I. The, the winter time, like it's, it, it'll send you the pictures and it's a, it's a Moultrie uh, edge okay. and maybe the other cameras do it too, but this is the first one I've had that does it. And it documents the time that the deer are active, documents the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so through the winter, I noticed that it was getting more sightings during the daytime. Okay. Mm, 10 to four, something like that. No, no, there was, you know, it was a bell curve. Right. There were still sightings in the morning, sightings in the evening, all that. Dude, I think that's a function of, you know, I live in mountain country, you know, 20 below zero, 25 below zero. It's just cold. Yep. It's just cold. And and so they're a little more active during the day. But I also have, an, I had another one. It's not obviously not up right now because I, this was during the scouting season, August into October. And when I, when I looked at the chart on that one, Dude, it was like an opposite bell curve. The deer were up mm-hmm. the most in the evening, late evening, you know, clear into like one, two, three o'clock in the morning, you know, the whole night. But at the daylight and the dark were consistent sightings. Right. I don't, not every day was it the most sightings. You know, sometimes two o'clock in the morning, they were freaking out, running all over, running by the camera. But it just reminded me that sometimes we, we sit in camp and think, Oh, all the bucks are nocturnal. They're up running around all night. Well, maybe, but they're very, yeah. Once that sun is below the horizons is what I'm trying to get at. That's a switch that, that turns them on and they get active. Okay. Now there's a lot of things that can offset that, you know, high hunting pressure, been busy, you know, opening couple of days, they may hang back longer and you, you don't see them out on the open hillsides, but where I'm going with all this is I'll miss the midday hunt mm-hmm. if I need to. If I need to take a nap, go feed the horse, whatever, I'll miss the midday hunt. I don't miss the morning. I don't sleep in. Well, maybe once in a while. I but I don't that. sleep in. I don't miss I don't miss that time. And most evenings, unless it's just logistically impossible to be there for the evening and get back in the morning, I'm there too. Because I know that's when they're going to be on their feet. Now, I've killed... Uh, two of my biggest bucks I've killed in the middle of the day, but I was still on them at these other times, you know, and, 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 and in the area during the twilight times and getting, I'm going to get into this too, other things that are, that I, that I key on, mm-hmm. uh, sightings and tracks of, of, of either the buck I'm after or, or other deer. So if it's the rut, you know, a lot of, a lot of secure does, or if it's the earlier season, you know, maybe there's other bucks around. I just, and it's secure. I know that a big buck could show up, you know, and so, may, you know, maybe I do hunt all day. I'm not saying I've, I've never hunted all day. I have, but, but something's got to draw me in to do that, to spend all day in, in, in a certain spot. Right. And so, so really playing on the fact that they're going to be most active at twilight. I do everything I can to make sure I'm always hunting that as, as much as possible. Okay. Versus, oh, you know, midday hunting, you know. Ah, man, just even during archery season, midday can be okay if you know where the bucks went. But I find that if I haven't found them in the morning, I'm, I usually don't find them during the day. You know, I got to wait for them to get up. So don't sleep in. And then uh, the, the other big word, they're phylopatric. I learned that from uh, Mike Duplan. Phylopatric means their tendency to return to the same area at the same time every year. And, and you know, I got friends that chase bucks like I do. And we've all agreed that, man, if you, if you see a buck in a certain place, a big buck, or a buck with potential, mark the calendar and be in that place on the same date a year later. Not going to see him every time, but it'll surprise you how often that deer will be in that same place. And I'm even talking migration bucks and everything. Mm-hmm. And so keying in on their tendency to, to, to return to areas. And that can be the species as a whole, you know, the whole herd can, can, can migrate and spend their winter here and spend their summer here. But it also implies to individuals, like I just said. Right. And, you know, and, and, and maybe even if it's not to the day, it's still very close. And I think back over the years of just, there's only been just a few bucks, maybe half a dozen to a dozen that I've actually followed from year to year. And man, that's how they were almost to the, to the, to the day or at least the week. Let's, let's just say the week. Right. They were in the same areas, sometimes the same hillsides, right. Same beds. 
you know, and, and that, I mean, it, it, I noticed that. <laughs> you, you noticed that? <laughs> I, I, you know, you know what keyed me into that was actually blacktail hunting in California. Mm-hmm. At three years in a row, it was literally the same day. I mean, it was the same date. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's exactly there, the same well, day, yes. whatever, but the same date that I showed up. We went in the afternoon for the hunt. Like I'd show up there in the morning. By the time we got out, it was the afternoon. It was the first day. Three years in a row, found the buck. And not even the, I don't even know if it was the same buck because the first two years, I thought it was the same buck. The last one, that he didn't look the same. But the same bed was used at their about the same time of year, the same, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh my God, there's a freaking deer there again. Yeah. In the same spot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I always try to remember that they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're phylopatric. And because it occurs as the species too, even if that buck is gone, he died, mm-hmm. whatever different year, he's probably showing you a place that big bucks like for whatever reason right. around that time. And so I, I always remember that I'm not always just off in virgin country. I'm not always trying to find new places. I mean, I, I do, but not until I've checked off, the, the places I've seen them before. Right. You know, I really always try to do that. Yeah, Almost no, every I, year, I, I, I start where I left off the year before. Yeah, it's funny. And you know what? I don't think they're the only, and you're, I know you're a very specific mule deer hunter, but I've no, noticed that of other species. Specifically, it's funny, javelina of all, of all things, year after year, where once I found them where, they, where they're at, year after year, I find them pretty much on that same hillside. Anyway, but uh, we got some questions come in. Uh, I don't even know how to say it because it's not like, I don't even know if it's a name, but uh, it's A-M-M-O-N-M dot T. He said, of the bucks you've scouted in the summer, do you kill them in the fall on the same side of the ridge you scouted them on? Or is it at lower elevation or do they change to a sh- the shady side of the ridge or... Mm. I don't have that specific of information, but I've killed them in the, in, in relatively the same area. So I haven't, you know, journaled, you know, aspect and degree of slope and all that other stuff. But, um, I saw another question pop up on there yeah. and that's, that's related that said, you know, how, how many years have you followed a buck and then finally got him? Yeah. That uh, was David Rydell. Two or maybe three years is, at the most. Okay. And the reason I say maybe three is because I'm trying to recognize, remember a buck when he was small and what he might've turned into. Mm-hmm. But for sure that, that 234 Idaho buck that I killed in 96, I had seen him at least one year before and possibly two. And the, 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 when he was a four-year-old, he was over 200. And when he was a five-year-old, when I got him, he was 234. So he was very recognizable. And back to the other guy's question, I killed him within 800 yards of where I had seen him in the summer the next year. All okay. right. Okay. And, um, you know, he was using, I got some anecdotal a, stuff for that one too. A peak, you know, that had all aspects on the peak. I mean, he would circle around the whole peak, you know, the sun would come up in the morning on the East side and he would jet over to the West side and get out of the sun. And then the evening when the sun was over there, you wouldn't see him on the West side. He had moved back around either North or there, but I ended up killing him in a basin that you long, long rifle range, you could have shot off that peak into that basin. I ended up killing him actually in the basin. And then the broken heart buck, the buck I killed with my bow in 2009, was there the year before for sure and got pictures of him. And he was, and and when I killed him, he was six. So my picture, I got him, he was five. And then the next year, when he'd actually, he was bigger, he was taller and he was heavier, but he didn't have as many cheaters, Mm -hmm. but he got a lot heavier and him, he was using some low sage country kind of bumping up against some private, one of those bucks I was talking about. And then I ended up killing him on a piece of public the next year that was about three quarters of a mile away from where he had been. And that was just, brushy rolling stuff and i and i kind of ambushed him in it right um i was circling around trying to get ahead of him and he actually bedded down when i circled around i I spooked him he got up and he ran out and he actually gave me a shot so anyways that's what i mean is i don't have like specific it's it's not that specific i can just whoever answer asks ask that question i think you're getting too far in the weeds on it i really do and i i don't get that specific when i'm hunting and if i'm if i'm in an area that i've scouted a big buck in 
I'm just thinking on my feet and going to the most secure place that he could be and spending my time there and letting letting him make the mistake. That's probably the the best I can give you. That's why sometimes when people ask me, you know, what what aspect and everything, I'm like, gosh, I don't know. I guess I'd have to go back and write it all down. Yeah. You know, which slope I killed him on because yep. it's just not that specific because they can move. And 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 this this is the thing too. Mule deer terrain looks like this. It's up and down, and you know the the big buck terrain. And so it's got all aspects. That's why they're there right. because it's easy for them to hide. Easy they could go, for they them go to wrap move. around a corner and be in, in a different. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah they different. can move fifty yards and they're yeah. on another slope. And yeah, so that to exactly. me, that that's a better way to explain it is they move around too much to to make it that specific. I hope I answered that guy's yeah. question. I think we did. Well, to me, let me real quick. Let me add to that. So, uh, year after year, and this is during the rut. I don't see these bucks all year long and bucks like the buck that I killed this year in January, I chased him the January before, uh, before I got COVID and he was actually a little bit bigger last year. I got COVID and then I didn't end up hunting him anymore. And he made it to this year and I ended up getting him. And you got him. Um, There was a buck I chased again during the rut here that I called big sexy and I hunted him for three years. I hunted him at like as a like a one sixty five, like a one eighty, and then again as a one ninety. And he died the very next year, the fourth year, in the same area. And a guy sent me the picture, and he went one ninety six. A guy got him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. So that's so, what I mean about that whole Philo Patrick thing. Yeah, they they definitely you know? they definitely come back. We had another question. This was Brady Fox Hoven. Uh, this is John. Do you have any thoughts on South Dakota? tag changes this year yeah i do a little bit too much to go into on this uh this particular podcast but the deer herd over there is hurting winter kill from having bad droughts they got some stuff so reduction in tags um honestly they're probably not doing enough over there to be honest with you and then we got david riddell oh this is you you answered. You already answered this. David so. Riddell is on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, yeah. David. David David's been, it's been a while since he's been on the podcast. On my podcast. Hey, good to know yeah. you're out there. Show us some big bucks. I know. David. Everybody jump talking. over to David's page. That's yeah. where all the big bucks are, is right there. <laughs> exactly. That's a big buck killer right there for sure. Uh, then we had Thad Deuce. I can't even. I'm not even going to butcher your name, Thad. Do you find a real pattern when it comes to the moon cycle for summer bucks? I don't. And um, it's probably out there. It and is. I, I was kind of waiting on this trail camera thing to show me more about it. But this is why I always hesitate on that question. I've killed great big bucks on the full moon. I've mm-hmm. killed great big bucks on the dark moon. Our seasons are relatively short. Two-week season is a long season. Yeah. So you don't get the whole moon cycle. You don't get to study it that close. Right. So all I can really do is go back over the years and look at when I've harvested bucks, and there's really no pattern. Um, and, and I would never say hunting under the full moon is a death sentence. It's not. I killed big, big bucks under under the full moon. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's a death sentence. I do follow it. If I could avoid it, I will. But like you said, you know, a season is a season. It's gonna fall when it's gonna fall. So you're not gonna yes. be like, oh, I'm only gonna go hunt these three days or whatever. No, you, right, you're gonna right. put all the effort into you right. can. What I've noticed it where it's the most where it has the most effect is in areas that it's hot. If it's mm-hmm. really hot, and I, I notice this a lot more, I notice this a lot in elk hunting, especially in seasons that it was real. And this is like where I made a, I made a big realization while whitetail hunting. And then I could, I can correlate it to pretty much every species. So including mule deer, but in areas that it's hot, you're definitely going to see a little bit less daytime movement. They're going to move more <laughs> at night. And what I, what the reason why I brought up the elk is because elk, that's, it's still hot sometimes when it, when they're running, you don't have hot, yes, right. there's no yeah. hot rut for deer. No, right. no deer have hot rut except for maybe Florida. And that makes a big difference in that type of hunting because they just stay up all night rutting around, mm-hmm. bugling mm-hmm. and whatever. So yep. now the rut obviously doesn't get affected too much in mule deer because it's usually cold. So they're typically the daytime during the rut goes up versus, but if if you have a really hot, dry environment, I feel like it definitely, I'm not, I feel like I know I've, I've literally studied it. I did. It was part of one of my papers when I was in school 
Uh, mm-hmm. I watched it. There is definitely an effect, but you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hunt when you can hunt, right? So right. just put right. in put in as much effort and just gotta keep that in mind. Like, hey, they're they didn't disappear. They didn't leave the planet. They're still there. Mm-hmm. You just gotta mm-hmm. look to they're those just spots. not as active. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta look to those areas that it's so. Yeah. Uh, now I, I do want to add. When I answered that question, I was thinking of early rifle archery. You know, September October hunting. In the rut, and I put a whole chapter in my second book on this about hunting the rack, the rut, and the subchapter about the moon. This is what I have noticed about the moon during the rut: mm-hmm. is that um, you know the bucks are they're horny. They they want to they want to make babies, and so if it's a full moon, they they're definitely more active the whole night. You know, compared to like August, you know, there is not as they might be a little more active at night, but they're still active during the day. They just wear themselves out during that full moon. And so what I've noticed is the mornings can be slower, but it doesn't take them long to get recovered. They'll, you know, they won't be as up, up running around as much in the morning. You'll see the does around everything, but the, not the bucks as much. Mm-hmm. But man, expect an early activity to pick up, you know, instead of like right at dark. Man, I've seen two, three o'clock in the afternoon. They just turn on. Right. Full sunlight. And they are out running around. You know, usually I'm back at camp taking a nap, you know, thinking it's time to go out. And, it, you know, it took a few years to figure this out. No, dude, I'm missing a good time. Yep. You know, get I really push the evenings when there is a full moon. I have noticed that. Yep. And then when there's not a full moon and it's a darker night, it seems like the mornings are, are real hot during the rut. And, and maybe in the afternoons, evenings are a little bit slower because, you know, they've pushed it hard, harder into to early morning, mid-morning, and then they go lay down and they don't get active again until dark. So I, I will add that about the moon. I'm going to jump ahead. We had three questions come across. I'm going to pass over Rusty for a second only because the last question we just got is basically still on the same subject that we're talking about. So Robbie, this is from Brady Fox Hoven again. Robbie, have you looked at moon overhead, underfoot? said, I love hunting midday with full moon with whitetails. It sure seems to affect them. So I don't know. I I know what you're saying, Brady, because yes, deer have a tendency no matter what phase of the moon, but the way the moon rises, what time it rises, if you have an early rising moon, typically deer, for whatever reason, will get up 30 minutes before the moon rises to feed. And that could be morning. It could be night. So yes, that I've seen that and I've followed that sure. a crap ton with whitetail hunting because the, there's whitetail hunters that live and die by the moon um, mm-hmm. and had, there's charts out there and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yep. And if you really follow it, you're like, yeah, there's really something to this, but you can drive yourself crazy too. So, but I don't know. Yeah. I would never say there's not something to it. I just have not keyed in on it more than just what I told you about, about the rut. You know, I, I believe, I mean, we're all in tune with the moon, right? (laughs) Our calendars are set by it. You know, you know, the rising of the sun and the moon, it's got to have an effect. It's got to, I'm, you know, but I've been able to hunt all this time with, and maybe I'd have just done better if I would have, but I, I haven't paid that much attention to it. <laughs> Again, because it's, you know, the the time you have in the field is finite. So you just got to spend. Yeah, right. And, I, you know, like I talked to my, you know, I have friends in Arkansas, you know, yeah, we, man, we start hunting in late August. I mean, they're still hunting in December. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, geez, you know, we had a long season. We really had, follow we had that. two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Where we can't. Yeah. Whitetail know? hunters really could follow that and they can pick and choose. Like, you know, I'm going to take off two weeks or I'm yep. going to take off a week. You could really plan versus... Like what's the absolute best time to be in the woods? What you can't do that and when I you get a tag those guys. a week long. Oh, you know, go ahead. I was gonna say, and some of those guys are like, I'm hunting tonight. They're yeah. not even thinking about a week. They're like, this yeah. is what's going on with yep. the moon and the temperature. Tonight I'm in the stand, and I'm exactly. Like, yep. Wow, man, I must be missing a whole world. That, there is. Out there it's like a chess. It's a chess game. Know. It really is. Why tell honey is a chess game? Okay, so I'm gonna go back to Rusty Swenson's question. How do you decide whether or not? A unit has too much hunting pressure. Oh, uh, I don't know. Do you want it? How do I decide if there are hunters on every bucky spot? Like I just can't get away from them. There's just too much hunting pressure. And now you you can have that on the opener, and maybe even the next day, but then it clears out. You're okay. Mm-hmm. But if it's that way the whole time you're there. It's just not. There's not just worth probably <laughs> not very many big bucks at all, and you just have no advantage, no advantage whatsoever. Um, but it's hard to pick it up in the stats because 
like where I, that big buck last year I was chasing, it'll be in my film here that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Dude, he's in an area with a lot of rifle tags, a lot. And how he gets away from all those people, I don't know. But he's been there during archery season. He's figuring something out. So you can't just rule out a unit either. Mm-hmm. So what I figured out about that unit, I'm not going to mess around with rifle and that unit. I'll go hunt that unit for rifle, but I'm not going to hunt that unit for rifle because I have no advantage there. So it's not something that you can just rule out on an Excel spreadsheet. You kind of got to go there. I mean, don't, if there's a road every half of a mile, it's going to suck mm-hmm. unless it's a low, it's a draw tag, low tag numbers then okay, there might be some, some some country like that that'll hold big bucks. But if it's easily hunted and there's not much thick cover and there's guys there every day, I just move on. Yeah, yeah. I used to have the philosophy that I don't care, I could out-hunt anybody here. Like Whether that was true or not, I just had that mentality. I had to, I had to think that way. Um, but, you know, for me, it's like, Nowadays, I just don't want to engage with people that are, you know, possibly going to cause a problem. You know what I'm saying? Selfish. Yeah, you have no advantage. I yeah. mean, you can hunt it. You can be yeah, the best hunter so. in the world. But I've always said uh, hunting big mule deer is an amateur sport because the, the, the guy, this first tag, first day on the field can kill the world record. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, luck. There, and, and so I gave up on luck years ago. I mean, I, you never hear me say I'd rather be lucky than good. No, I'd rather be good than lucky so that you can count on a part of being good is figuring out I can't beat these guys. I got to go somewhere else. Right. Right. Brax Hamilton. Would you, you got another question here, John, when you're hunting places like AZ, do you see them do a disappearing act after they go hard horned or is that a deer thing or a mountain thing? Lots of nuances to that question. Yes, I agree. Um, Yes, for the most part, they once they're shed their velvet, they they definitely disappear here. That is without a doubt. But that's also because I think it coincides with our early rifle season. Like it goes archery hunting, and then archery stops, and then the bang bang pow pow starts, and then like the deer disappears. So it's like. Yeah. Yes. I believe it. You know, there's been plenty of bucks that I've watched over the years with a rifle tag in my pocket. And I just went and watched them during archery season. And like, oh, you know, I'm not going to go stalk them. I'm going to wait till my rifle tag's good. And then rifle season starts and those deer are nowhere to be found. So I, I think for sure it's a, it's a deer thing and not necessarily a mountain thing. That was the last question we got right there. Let me go back to my list. What landscape or vegetation or combination of habitat features do you consistently find the caliber of bucks you're hunting in? Uh, in 2020s, the brush zone. If you'd asked me that in 2008, I would have said the alpine zone. Okay. So um, the alpine has just, it's just not as good as it used to be. I think... What do you the think? The whole that, I, long yeah. range rifles, um, better glass, all that stuff. And just it's it's a beautiful place to hunt. And it used to be kind of a mystery to people. It kind of scared people away. Right. And now, you know, with, with Onyx and everything else, I mean, I mean, how many hunters get lost and die a year now? I mean, when I was a kid, it was like every single year. I mean, you hardly hear about it now. All you hear about now is like baby boomers having heart attacks on their four wheelers around here. So um <laughs> So it's not that hard logistically to do it. And because it's open, it's alpine, you just push the bucks out of it quickly or you kill the top end off pretty quickly. And it's not that I don't hunt it. I still do. But it's uh, the last three big bucks I killed. One of them was subalpine. He was not in the alpine. He was below it, but he was not down in the canyons. And then the other one was a brush buck and the other one was a brush buck. So out of those three bucks with an average age of about five and a half years old, it would two to one, uh, the brush zone versus the alpine. Okay. Are there any other features within the brush zone or, or even if we're talking alpine that say I'm up and down, f- I'm going to find a big buck here up and down. Okay. Uh, up, uh, yeah, it's got to have a lot of different aspects. They, they, they don't seem to like anything smooth. 
Okay. You know, they don't spend any time where it's smooth. And, um, and I think it's just escapement for them. You know, if it's, if it's up and down kind of stuff, like you said, you know, they can walk 50 yards and be on a different hillside. Um, and, and it's not that they spend all their time there, but that's where your percentage of encounters are going to be the highest. Right. And so, so that's, that's what I try to do. And obviously it can't be so thick that you can't hunt it. You know, that's the challenge of it is you just, you just can't go to a brushy place and kill a buck. Uh, that's why they're there is because they're tough to kill, but you you have to learn how to hunt those places and, and, and certain places you just can't hunt, but you can hunt around them, you know, you can kind of work around the edges and stuff like that. And that, that buck I killed last year, he was in a place like that. And, and uh, he was not in there the, the two days before when I was there, other bucks were uh, and chasing does. And that's why I went back that whole, um, Philo Patrick thing. Right. Uh, as a species, I thought, hey, there's secure does in here. There's other bucks coming in here. And there are a few hunters, but like that other guy's question, it was, you know, it just wasn't slaughtered with hunters. You know, you could be alone a little bit. Right. And sure enough, that that's where I caught a buck. So the brush zone has been where the biggest ones are. And um, it, it, it kind of has to have a variety of topography. Well, you, and you have to figure out an advantage on how to hunt it. You, you, Snow, know, you know now in the next couple points. of years it's not going to be because you just told everybody that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, actually, I don't, I don't think it will because the Alpine scares away nobody. The brush gets people discouraged quickly. It's, you know, it's just no fun. You just don't see that many deer. Right. You know, it's just hard. But it's, it's why that even all these years later, my average range on a big buck is still about 200 yards. Farthest I've ever shot a buck is 450. You know, that's, it's still down around in the low 200s in there because of places that they live and having to get in their living room and, and, and kill them. Right. Uh, we got a few more questions come through. I'm not sure how to answer this, but Justin Starrick said, how can we promote cow elk for meat hunting and reserve mule deer for trophy hunting? I, I don't know. That's not a question I think we can really answer on this. But oh, I'll answer it. I ahead. shot my first cow elk last year in like 25 years. Just go. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to get meat. And, um, you know, I've yeah. never. But he wants I, to know I, how we got to promote it, you know. Right know now, talking about it. Okay. And, 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 and that, that, that dude, cow elk, even you know, most places they're, they're above eject objective, you know, in the Intermountain West where I'm at, dude, they're elk are just killing it. Go, 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 go to a, a wildlife profs, Instagram page today, wildlife prof on Instagram. Uh, Randy Larson is BYU professor. I just had him on the podcast about a week ago and look at the survival charts that he just posted for Utah elk versus deer. Look at the elk survival rates compared to the deer survival rates. Oh, they yeah. kick the deer's butt every time. Bigger animal, hardy. Exactly, they do. And and so there's just getting to be more of them and more of them and more of them. And that's why last year I finally bought a tag and went as I'm like, you know, because I eat all my bucks. I, I totally do. Mm -hmm. I never, never waste them. I love them. But I thought, man, you know, I, I, it was getting towards the end of the season. I thought, I'm not going to get a buck this year. I really should go get a cow elk. And, yeah, and I did. And it's you know, better anyway. <laughs> oh, no, no, they don't. No, we can, we can have a whole argument about that too. Um, <laughs> I agree. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with that. You haven't tasted my bucks, man. You won't even eat one of my bucks that hasn't been aged 21 days and even 30 days. Nice. And most of the guys I know, they're just uh, cutting the back stress off and throwing them in the fry pan that night. And they're going, man, this thing is tough. Of course it is. Yeah. Hasn't been aged. Uh, but anyways, um, the, uh, the cow elk. Yeah, everybody, if you can, hunt cow elk. It's a great opportunity. It is delicious meat. I will not argue that. It's very good. And uh, there's just a lot of opportunity for it. I know there's a few places that the elk are down, but most places, they're over-objective and they, they need some killers. So Justin's Stark, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's kill more cow elk. There you go. Rusty Swenson has asked a question that we kind of went over. How soon do you see bucks dive into cover after shedding velvet? Is glassing scouting still useful in late September and early October? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. yeah, you bet, dude. In fact, I think the closer to the season you can scout, actually, the more valuable intel you get it's harder to find them because what john said when they when they strip yeah they just are not spending as much time in the open country um and so you know that's why i'm looking for them in july june july and august because i, I have a better chance of catching them out but a lot of times i find something in august and then i can't hunt him until october yeah. there's a lot of challenges that go in between there even though you know, I don't think they move miles. They can be a lot harder to find. Man, if I find a buck a couple days before the season, that whole Philo Patrick thing I was talking about, man, that is good intel. Right. As long as he doesn't get bumped or, 
you know, not everybody's sighting the rifle in on that canyon the night before the opener. Man, that's a you kill that buck opening morning. So, go. so definitely, definitely oh, yeah. can be I effective. Agree. I scout clear and in, clear into the fall. I mean, I clear into the fall. I talk about it a lot in the summer, but but no, I I really try to scout as close to the season as I can. Um, that that uh, last year on my November hunt, I was scouting the day before it opened. You know, just really really trying to nail one down, and it paid off. I didn't find, I didn't kill the buck. Didn't see the buck that I killed, but I, I found that area. Gotcha. For for me, I think scouting in the summer is gathering an inventory, and scouting close to the season is gathering intel that's going to be like useful to how the buck is using that area at that you specific time or when you're going to hunt it. Totally so, agree with that. Uh, let's see. Slippery six looking at drawing an archery Kaibab tag in Arizona. What are the first things I should do when I get there a day or two before the opener? Uh, Expect a lot of neighbors. Seriously. <laughs> oh, you answer that one. You're in Arizona. No, no. I mean, if you, I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time on the Kaibab in, in recent years. So when Kaibab used to be an over the counter tag for us, I used to go up there quite a bit. There is, I mean, honestly, my best advice to you is learn where all the water holes are at, all the little drinkers. It always depends on, on water in Arizona, but there's not a lot of tags. So it's not going to be too hard for you to get away from people. But the problem is with that hunt is one guy draws it and he's going to bring six friends with him. So you're going to have a lot of people to contend with, even though most of them are not actually hunting. That is not a unit where I am... You know, the last couple of years, I've only gone up there to turkey hunt. So uh, I can't give you any real intel for that. And um, really know, big I, buck hunters, I know that, that, that they, they don't they don't like that tag Is it because you, 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 this advice I would give, you got to kill a buck right when you see it. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really pattern them there, you know, unless what John said, maybe if they're hitting water, you know, pray for a heat wave yeah. and, 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 and water holes. But just enough cover and everything. The got the big buck hunters I know that have hunted it. They don't like it. They're like you just you just you can't take advantage of them. You know they're there. You'll see a big buck, but you can't do anything about it. And then you can't find him again. Gotcha. Do you typically look for the toughest places to get into that keep most hunters out? Or I know what he's saying. He says if that makes sense. Yeah. Basically, are you looking looking to get away from people, or you just trying to go where the deer are at? Oh, that's a, you know, a combination of both. You got to go where the deer at. I can show you places where you'll never see a hunter and you'll never see a deer. Yep. There's, it's not deer country. <laughs> it doesn't attract deer. <laughs> you know, that's why you got to be careful with your e-scouting and stuff. But yeah, definitely you, you got to get, and, and, and buzzkill here. You're not going to find anywhere that there's nobody. I'm not hunting alone. All right. I'm not just hardly ever, no. maybe a little bit during archery, but I am going where there is a barrier to entry, typically created with, you know, roadless or hard to get to, sometimes even private. I'm all, I always try to get on private if I can. I ask, you know, 95% of the time you get shot down, but you just never know. Somebody's on that. So, so yeah, definitely got it. That's why I say I don't combat hunt. I get out of the combat zone as much as I can. What And, and, and the amazing thing is, is sometimes you don't, it doesn't have to be that far in it it really doesn't it can be just overlooked country between the road and the destination basin that everybody's going to um i found some big bucks like i said the whole private property thing that are using the great thing is when somebody tells me no i can't hunt the private i think okay great they're probably not letting anybody else hunt it unless they really know them so I need to really grid this out and figure out are there places that the bucks are not staying on the private until the pressure's high, which right. then it helps because then they can get a year older. So again, I try to play that to my advantage too, but, but definitely to answer his question, I can't be combat hunting. <laughs> it just, it never works out. If I'm just that much competition, there's probably no bucks there. Number one, no big bucks that I want. Mm-hmm. And then number two, you just have no advantage. You just, you, you, everybody else got luck on their side and you don't, you know, it's just the way it works out. Right. I got a little anecdotal, uh, to go along with what you just said. I used to hunt this WMA, which is a wildlife management area. You don't see those out here in the West. They're typically east of the Mississippi. It's a little small section of public land is what it is. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, man, I would go into this and I would find the, 
you know, try the, the most remote spot or the hardest to get to, you know, that had the best deer sign and blah, blah, blah. And then opening day would start and, you know, here come 50 flashlights, headlamps coming through the woods and yep, screw yep. up whatever I was doing. And yep. finally, you know, I was like, I, every morning I would watch all these guys pass this like one acre buffer or whatever mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. call it yeah, yeah, between the parking lot and where everybody would hunt. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go sit in there. I'm going to go hunt in there. And I killed at the time, this was many years ago, my biggest whitetail buck doing that. Yep. Yep. And, and I started applying that to just hunting overlooked stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yep. you know, how many times that people, how many times do we, do we hike in seven miles or whatever to the t- tallest ridges and this and that, how many deer do you pass going to that? A lot. A shit ton for sure. Yeah. yeah. I did when I when when and Kurt Garner put out his second book. It was called Hunting the Rockies. There was one little statement in there that he said, and I thought I, I could do a whole podcast on this with you. Most guys never see most of the country they ride or walk by. They never see it. And I and 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 man, that I read that 30 years ago. Yeah. Boy, that has proved true. Especially that if you, we, you're hiking out in the dark, right? What do you, yeah. What do you, you see? You just the, don't. The 10 mm-hmm, feet in exactly. front of you with your, that your yep. flashlight in? Right. Yeah, because you're thinking, man, I got to be up there. That's yep. the only place you go. You leave a lot You leave a lot of stuff untouched. Yep. And so it doesn't work everywhere, you know, but it's, it's definitely something we need to consider. Yeah. You know, the long and short of it, they're going to be where they want to be. <laughs> there is no 100% you know, magic, right. silver bullet, whatever. And, um, you know, I, I think the best thing to do is not like, where should I go? It's what are the things that deer need? Mm-hmm. How are they in relationship to each other? Like, here's, here's a great thing to do, I think, is if you found a, a good buck in an area, take account of that area. Okay. How far away is the water? What do the travel corridors look like? What does the feed look like? Mimic all that stuff. Go find it somewhere else. I almost guarantee you, you're going to find deer in that area as well, because it's just the same thing as like, all right, have you, if you ever killed a big buck in an area and then Mm -hmm. two years later, another big bucks in that area. Oh yeah. You bet, dude. Why is he, why is he in that area? Because mm-hmm. there's things, and there's a good big word, another big word that we're throwing them out today, juxtaposition, right? Mm-hmm. That means the relationship, basically, of the different things that deer need mm-hmm. to survive. And once you found those things, and you can refine those same things and just like see them somewhere else, more than likely, you're going to find deer in those areas. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's my thing. I think guys, including myself, I, you know, I, I've spent a whole lot of time, um, trying to find spots when all I needed to do was replicate the spots I already had somewhere else to still have a, a quality mm-hmm. experience. So, mm-hmm. yep. uh, yep. just, and I've seen that you can find those, those, those same characteristics and, in mule deer country, that's hundreds of miles apart. Exactly. But exactly. you find a buck and you're like, hey, this kind of looks like yes. such and such place, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I see that question down there. We should yeah. answer that question that's about good. the timber. Yeah. Is still hunting timber a tactic implemented by you fellas when activity is slow? Go ahead. I'll let you. Yes. If it's a rifle hunt, you bet. If I was it's an say, archery if hunt, I'm... not much because it's pretty hard to still hunt a big buck with a bow. Yeah. And sometimes it's the only game in town, but I've, I've never got one that way, put it that way. Um, but yeah, with a rifle or even a muzzle loader, you bet. And sometimes it's the only way to kill them is, is get, in, get in the timber and still hunt them. I haven't killed very many that way, but the few that I have killed, I couldn't kill them any other way. Right, right. I, I am terrible. That's still hunting. I used to be excellent at it. I think it's my eyesight. I don't know what it is or the fact that I'm getting less and less patient the older I'm getting, which is crazy because I think you're supposed to get more patient as you get older, but I have zero patience for still hunting. I, I still do it. 
And if, like I said, like you said, if you have a rifle, I, I could do it with a rifle. Definitely yeah, can't yeah. do it with a bow, but I, I used to still hunt a lot. When I first moved out to Arizona 32 years ago, I hunted a lot still hunting. And I learned a lot mm-hmm. of country that way, which is a great way mm-hmm. to learn country. Um, it's a great way to learn how deer are using country because you're, you know, you're reading sign and so on and so forth. But it takes a lot of patience. You got to have really good eyesight because you got to be able to see them before they see you. And yep. you got to move slow, and you know um, Charles is a very good still hunter. Charles Whitwam of Alpha Wildlife, mm-hmm. yep. he's excellent, excellent at it. Um, I actually did a podcast with him some years ago talking specifically about it. But yeah, I I don't know, I can't do it anymore. I used to be able to go, you know, ten feet every. 20 minutes or whatever, but I can't, I just can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, don't, right. I don't know what it is. I have no freaking clue. Found other ways to kill them. I, I guess maybe that's probably. And that's uh, why I kind of rank still, this is how still hunting is almost my last choice. Still hunting, ambush hunting. They're almost my last choice. So, I, so I don't do them very often, but, but when I am picking them, it's because nothing else is working. Right. You know, the deer aren't coming out of the cover. The snow's, you know, they're not leaving tracks, uh, the snow, they're not, not, not good tracking conditions, no snow, uh, the snow is crunchy. You can't really stalk. So then I'll ambush hunt, but if the snow is not crunchy and uh, then I'll still hunt, but it, it's a low odds proposition, but sometimes this is what my dad used to say. It's the only game in town, right? You know, you ain't got nothing else. You might as well try it. And, and this is the thing I can say to the guy that asked the question when it comes together, it is unreal. There's nothing better than it. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened. You know, and you end up putting a smack on a big buck at like 70 yards, you know, yeah. or, I mean, it's just like, wow, it worked, you know? Um, so it's awesome, but you'll go a lot of days without getting one. I've, I've never killed a big buck that way, but I've, I've killed, killed a I've, couple I've, of them. I've killed deer that way, but I've never killed a big buck. I don't have a whole lot of big bucks anyway, especially not by, by your standards anyway, but. I, as far as a tactic is concerned, and over the years, I've kind of adopted it a little bit and, and kind of perfected it for myself, is I do what's called spot and ambush. Now, you mentioned ambush. Oh, yeah. I've heard you talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that comes about, you, you got to spend a lot of time learning behavior of deer and kind of having a good idea of what they're going to do and like when you're watching them. I wrote an article about it. I remember. I think that's where I heard about it. Yeah. And and honestly, I think I was going to I was going to revise that article, make it uh, a little bit more flesh it out and, and a, a little uh, bit better uh, information wise because I because I grew with it and I was going to actually put it on our rock slide. But um, bring it on my my days of uh, writing have uh, <laughs> dwindled since I had no time. But um yeah, I um, I think that tactic for me has become, especially when I'm solo hunting, which... Awesome, dude. I see that. Yeah. Sorry, I was responding to his, his question. He was yeah. saying he killed one at 80 yards in Wyoming. Yeah. That's awesome. Hell yeah. That's great. Yeah, I just... Uh, I think that's a tactic that people... And that's basically watching deer from afar getting an idea of what they're going to do. And instead of like, if, if you're not going to stalk, you don't stalk directly to them. You put your, and I, we do this a lot with coos deer here because they're so cagey and it's very hard to sneak up on them. I will go to a spot where I think they're going to go, which is close. Usually like within a hundred and mm-hmm. you know, some yards. Now I'm not talking about with a rifle, with a rifle, you know, that's a different story, but with bow hunting, you know, I'll put myself within a hundred yards or something of the deer. And then, my guess is either going to get up or he's going to continue feeding or whatever the case may be in my direction and then give me an opportunity to shoot. So um, that's the cool. very simplified version of what I'm... Well, get us an article. We'll put it on Rockside, man. So, all right, I will. I'll get something together for you. I think that's uh, that's all I got as far as that was sent over to me. I don't think we got any more questions here. Let's okay. See. And hey, dude, I wanted to tell you uh, and, and Charles, thanks for everything you're doing with Howl. 
Um, you know, we're, we're you guys are one of the two organizations that Rockslide actually sponsors. Most people sponsor Rockslide. We sponsor you guys because we believe in what you're doing. And um, I get your emails. I, you guys have had some great uh, wins. And uh, just thanks for getting out there and working hard to ensure our hunting future. And man, anything we can do for you, anything on the guys on the podcast can do for you, you know, just let us know, man. You guys are, you guys are doing God's work in the hunting industry, the way I look at it. Yeah. It's just, just get involved. You know, that's all, that's all we need from uh, those that are tuned into this is, is get involved. We're only as strong as our voice and our voice doesn't get shared unless you're, unless you're getting in, getting in the, in the, uh, trenches with us and and letting it uh, be heard. So yep, um, yep, yeah. And this, that's what's been great about what you guys have done. You've made it so that you're not just a lone ranger out there trying to write a letter to somebody. You know, you actually know who you're writing to, where it needs to go. You know, a lot of times you guys are working in real time. Like I'll get emails from you guys. You're like, hey, this is going to the legislative body tomorrow or whatever. And it's like, oh man, I better answer this one. You know, or left to my own devices. Heck, by the time I heard about it, it'd be over. Yeah. 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 So good job, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I guess that concludes it for today. Well, uh, all right. Thanks again, John. Right, Robbie. Appreciate, appreciate you, man. You. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20% all one word and check out how for wildlife. Thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next show.